From PQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. My name is Colson Whitehead, and this is the opening section of my novel, Sag Harbor. My name is Ben. In the summer of 1985, I was 15 years old. My brother Reggie was 14. As for when we got out to Sag Harbor, we got out that morning, hour and a half flat, having beat the traffic. Over the course of a summer, you heard a lot of different strategies of how to beat the traffic, or at least slap it around a little. There were those who ditched the office early on Friday afternoon, casually letting their co-workers know the reason for their departure in order to enjoy a little low-pressure envy. Others headed back to the city late Sunday evening, choking every last pulse of joy from the weekend with cocoa-buttered hands. They stopped to grab a bite and watch the slow red surge outside the restaurant window while dragging clam strips through tartar sauce. Soon, soon, not yet until the coast was clear. My father's method was easy and brutal. Hit the road at five in the morning so that we were the only living souls on the Long Island Expressway, making a break for it in the haunted dark. Every so often my mother said, There's no traffic, as if it were a miracle. Well, it wasn't really dark. June sunrises are up and at them, but I always remember those drives that way. Memory has a palette and a broad brush. Perhaps I remember it that way because my eyes were closed most of the time. The trick of those early morning jaunts was to wake up just enough to haul a bag of clothes down to the car, nestle in, and then retreat back into sleep. Any unnecessary movement might exile you from the realm of half-sleep into the bleary half-awake. So my brother and I did a zombie march, slow and mute, until we hit the back seat where we turned into our separate nooks, sniffing up holstery, butt-to-butt, more or less looking like a Rorschach test. What do you see in this picture? Two brothers going off in different directions. We'd recently ceased to be twins. We were born ten months apart, and until I went to high school, we came as a matched set, more Siamese than fraternal or identical, defined by an uncanny inseparability. "'joined not at the hip or spleen or nervous system, "'but at that more important place, "'that spot on yourself where you meet the world. "'There was something in the human DNA "'that compelled people to say, "'Benji and Reggie, Benji and Reggie,' "'in a sing-song way, "'as if we were cartoon characters "'or mascots of some 25-cent candy. "'On the rare occasions,' When we were caught alone, the first thing people asked was, Where's Benji or Where's Reggie? Whereupon we delivered a thorough account of our other's whereabouts, quickly including context as if embarrassed to be caught out in the sunlight with only half a shadow. Uh, he rode into town. He lost his cat diesel power cap at the beach and went to get a new one at the five and ten. And here the questioner nodded solemnly, Reggie's love for his cat diesel power cap, fostered by 70s trucker movies, was well known. There was summer, and then there was the rest of the time. During the rest of the time, before we were separated, you could find us modeling gear from the Brooks Brothers Young Men's Department. Smart white Oxford shirts, for example, tucked in during school hours, flapping in soft rebellion when we were home. The elementary school we went to required us to wear jackets and ties, so we did. 
Our wrists inevitably outran our jacket sleeves, despite our mother's attempts at timely hem jobs. The ties as a species were clip-on, but we had a few that our father tied for us at the beginning of the school year, which we then slid loose and slid tight for the next nine months, knots getting greasier and grubbier as our kitty fingers oozed into them. We had one blue blazer and one beige corduroy jacket apiece, rotated over gray slacks and khaki pants. I was a little taller, which helped us sort out whose was whose, but not always. What did we look like, walking down Lexington, across 62nd Street, side by side on our way to and from school? I remember one day in the seventh grade when a, an old white man stopped us on the corner and asked us if we were the sons of a diplomat. Little princes of an African country, the U.N. being half a mile away. Because why else would black people dress like that? Looking up into his mossy teeth, I croaked a tiny no and tugged Reggie into the crosswalk as my don't-talk-to-strangers-slash-everyone-is-a-child-molester training kicked in. The TV was our babysitter, sure, so finger-wagging movies of the week were our manual on how to deal with strangers. We eagerly rifled through the literature, tis-tisking and chuckling over tales of neglected white kids gone awry, the sad procession of zaftig and susceptible teenage hitchhikers, the pill-popping honor students turned wildcat over the pressure to succeed. When strangers stopped us on the street asking questions, we knew what to do. Keep walking, bruh. What did he look like? Senior partner in the law firm of Cracker, Cracker, and Cracker. What did we look like? I don't know. But his question wasn't something we'd ever be asked in Sag Harbor. We fit in there. Summers we branched out in our measly fashion, freed from the dress code. What did we do? As fake twins, we couldn't shake our love of the uniform. Each day we wore the same make of shirt, but different colors, different iron-on decals. Every couple of months, our mother brought us some clothes at Gimbel's and then tossed them into our cage for us to hyena-yip over who got what. Want the maroon terry cloth shirt? Get to it first or else you'll be wearing the olive one till next Christmas. R2-D2 jammies for you, C-3PO for me. You had to work fast. Dibs was all. We were a bit of a genre when you pried open a family photo album. There's Benji and Reggie, slouching in the beach grass, leaning on the hood of that summer's rented car, huddling on the bench outside the ice cream parlor. One brother in a powder blue Izod polo, the other in a crimson Izod drizzled with rocky road. Arms noosed around each other's necks, always wearing the same shirts but for that one crucial, differentiating detail that was everything. The same, but a little off, and it was to that crooked little corner of difference that we truly aspired. Our expressions, picture to picture? Me, pained and dyspeptic, squinting in discomfort at some discovery of some new defect in the design of the world, the thought bubble asking, aren't we all just ants under the magnifying glass, really? And, is this the passing of our days, so much pixie sticks, dust falling in an hourglass? The only time early bloomer has ever been applied to me is vis-a-vis -vis my premature apprehension of the deep dread of existence thing. In all other cases, I plod and tromp along. My knuckles? Well dragged. 
say cheese. And what's Reggie up to? Mugging, of course, cross-eyed, sneering, fingers bent into devil's horns, waving his dented beggar's cup for one extra ounce of precious attention, a rare element in our household. We knew we wanted to be separated but could only bear it in slim degrees. So when our father showed up with knockoff souvenirs from the 1976 Montreal Olympics, I snagged the javelin t-shirt, Reggie reached for the shot-put t-shirt, and we broke out of the locker room tunnel into the arena of sunlight, summer after summer, members of the same team. It was nice to have a team, even if it was just us two. Where is the surgeon, gifted enough to undertake this risky operation, separate these hapless conjoined? Paging Doc Puberty, arms scrubbed, smocked to the hilt, smacking the nurses on the butt, and well-versed in all the latest techniques. More suction. Javelin and shot put, that's about right. Hormones sent me up and airborne, tall and skinny, a knock-kneed little reed, while Reggie, always chubby in the cheeks and arms, bulged out into something round and pinchable, soft and smooth, where I stuck out in sharp angles. We disentangled week by week, one new hair at a time. Junior high, they called it. By the summer of 1985, we were at a time where if someone asked, Where's Reggie? I didn't know. And it was good to say I didn't know. To subscribe to Writer's Block and hear more stories, visit kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.